Hello and welcome to Nudge, the consumer psychology podcast. In the last episode of Nudge, I was joined by Patrick Fagan, Chief Science Officer at Capuchin, author and former lead psychologist at Cambridge Analytica. We had an eye-opening discussion about what marketers can learn from an individual's online profile. Patrick talked about how marketers can determine someone's personality from 300 Facebook likes and how they can predict consumer behavior by looking at the apps they had downloaded on their phone. If you haven't listened to that discussion, I do encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episode first. That discussion, however, got me thinking about the ethics behind targeted personalized advertisements. See, I was under the impression that most Facebook users had a pretty good understanding of how their data was being used. I assumed that Instagram users would feel comfortable seeing tailored ads based on their usage, and I thought that YouTube viewers wouldn't be surprised to hear that the ads they see are based on their viewing history. I believed this was all common knowledge, that targeted personalized ads were all well known and expected. But Patrick wasn't so sure. He thinks I'm in the minority. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct-to-consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing, and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. Well, you say that it's common knowledge, but I think maybe that's true. Well, probably it is true for our kind of circles, you know, um, people who work in marketing and tech and who stay up to date on the latest news and so on. But I would say the wider public is probably not that common knowledge or certainly not the front of their mind. I mean, but all of us are cognitive minds with limited brain power and attention span. So I think for the for any of us, really, actually, it's hard for us to, to bear in mind what our data is being used for and to understand it rationally. You know, none of us really has the time to think through topics in detail and look at all the research. So it's complex, it's nuanced, and you use technology every day for all sorts of things. You just don't have the brain power to think about, is this capturing my data? What's it doing with it? So it's only really when there's a scandal at Cambridge Analytica or something comes to the forefront, like... Uh, WhatsApp's new terms and conditions the other day. There was a little bit of a buzz around that. Facebook, I don't think they had any 
real user backlash from the, the Cambridge Analytica story. Uh, I, I even saw one headline, headline saying that their user base grew, maybe because of mental availability. Yeah, even if people are consciously more aware that this is a, a thing, um, it's hard to translate that into day-to-day -day behavior and to keep thinking about it and to stay on top of it. And because it's a nuanced topic about something we use every day without thinking. Now we go on to talk about the ethics behind targeted ads. But before we did, I was keen to ask Patrick for an opinion. Over the past few years, we've seen more and more data about the damage social networks can do to our mental health. Previously on the show, we've shared studies that highlight how social media can whittle away our creativity. We've heard how it makes teenagers less likely to be outgoing in the real world and how the presence of a mobile on a table, a dinner table, for example, can make a child feel stressed. I wondered about this whilst chatting to Patrick and I asked him if we're reaching a tipping point where, as a society, we'll start to perhaps withdraw from social media in the future. I'm not optimistic. I think technology is going in a particular direction. And I think that train is very hard to uh, to stop or get off. You know, the genie can't be put back in the bottle ever with technology. Once it's out there, it's out there. There is a movement, however, and I consider myself part of this movement, to have more kind of individual sovereignty, to get back to basics, to unplug from technology, but also the media and things, and maybe homeschooling and homesteading and things like that. I think there is a movement to withdraw a bit from this technology stuff, particularly, you know, I don't want to get too kooky, but around the, if immunity passports, freedom passes do come in, you know, all the implications of that. I think there is a movement of people to withdraw from it, but I don't think that movement is the, uh, the, the, the mass. I think for the vast majority of people, we're going to be moving into a world of VR and, always on technology and biometrics and, uh, and all of that for better or for worse. Now, Patrick's previous employers, Cambridge Analytica, were famed for all the wrong reasons. In March 2018, the company was shown to have acquired and used personal data about Facebook users without their permission. This data was subsequently used to create highly effective and personalised Facebook ads for political campaigns, including Donald Trump's 2016 election and ads for the British UK's Conservative Party. Following the scandal, Cambridge Analytica were banned from advertising on Facebook and many of the company's dark secrets were revealed. Now, we won't go into most of that today. However, there is part of the scandal that I wanted to ask Patrick about. The news sparked hundreds of articles that claimed the company had helped swing the 2016 presidential election in Trump's favour. Articles from reputable publishers like the New York Times stated that the firm's secret source aided Trump's election campaign. I wanted to know what Patrick thought of this, so I asked if he really thinks these personalised online ads could really swing an election. Um, so I believe targeted political advertising will represent a step change um, in the future, sending people highly persuasive individual messaging um, will likely be a revolution in how to persuade people to do something. And that's not just for politics, that's for everything. But at the minute, in 2016, no. Um, it, it has an effect, but it's it's not that uh it's not as great as has been reported and assumed in the media and it's interesting actually because 
you know, I don't want to get political, but it, in 2016, Trump had digital advertising, but Hillary Clinton had Hollywood. She had all the newspapers. She had almost all of the TV channels. These are far more, far more persuasive than, than digital targeted advertising. You know, outside of politics, having a, a commercial on TV is more effective than, than targeted advertising. Targeted advertising works, of course, but still that I don't think anything beats that reach of having your message repeated constantly across all these channels from uh, sources of authority, uh, people who are admired and trusted. So I think targeted advertising does work. Uh, it will be a step change. But for now, I think its effects have been overstated. It's interesting to hear Patrick, someone who has an extremely good grasp of what you can and can't do with online targeted ads, suggests that today, these ads can't swing an election. Despite the rhetoric, there is little evidence to suggest that these ads are, are just more effective than traditional forms of advertisements. However, Patrick went on to explain that certain types of people would be more influenced by targeted messages than others. I think there are moderators for its effectiveness, as with probably most messaging. So personality traits, for example, people who are more heuristic thinkers rather than reflective thinkers, so people who act on gut instinct, they're more likely to be influenced by it. As you say, heavy technology users definitely more likely to be influenced by it. Gustave Le Bon wrote The Crowd, which is a great little book about 100 years ago about how crowds are persuaded. And he says it's not really about reasoned argument, it's about affirmation and repetition. Um, so just say something bold and just keep saying it and it will kind of seep into consciousness as the truth. So the more you see these messages, the more they, they will influence you, basically. As for personalization itself, I would imagine that probably works better for some people than others. Probably, this is just a guess, probably more trusting people, less cynical people. Um, there are certain people who... You know, if they see something that's been vaguely personalized, they'll just immediately reject it and be, be upset about it. Um, whereas others might be more accepting or, or find it more nice that something's been personalized to them. Um, but again, even those cynical people, the more often they see a message, the more it's repeated, it will slowly start to seep in. So probably, as you say, usage and involvement with tech is the big thing. But what about ethics? Is it right to send highly targeted messages? Is it worse than traditional advertising? And do we, as marketers, know where to draw the line? I asked Patrick for his point of view. I mean, there's three parts to it. I mean, first of all is the targeted persuasion side of things and the data side of things. So there, I think the key is transparency, uh, giving people agency essentially so so if people don't think they have control over their lives or if they don't have control over their lives they have lower self-esteem they have learned helplessness um, and that has all sorts of negative life outcomes um, so people really need to feel and want to feel that they have some semblance of control so giving people transparency giving them the ability to opt out the ability to see that their data is being used for etc etc i think that's really really important to using the data and the personalization ethically the second thing is advertising in general um so i'm having a bit of an existential crisis about this because advertising it really it has two two aims one is to be noticed and remembered um and so the best advertising is emotional for that reason but 
I'm wondering how ethical it is to bombard people with emotion all the time. And we're living in a very kind of hypersensitive, almost hysterical at times society. And I'm wondering how much that has to do with people being bombarded with all this emotion from social media, from, from the news, uh, but also from advertising and, and viral content. You know, it's designed to get people into an emotional state of mind. And then the second thing that advertising needs to do is create dissatisfaction in people because people aren't going to buy a product unless they feel that they need to, to fulfill something. And so there is research showing that the more a country has advertising in it, the lower the levels of life satisfaction. So it makes sense, right? Advertising, the whole point is to make people dissatisfied. So yeah, that's the second thing is advertising itself. How ethical is that? Um, and then the third thing is the ethics of nudging itself. And again, this has been a bit of an existential crisis for me recently. But I think the issue there is assuming that you're more rational than other people. So who nudges the nudges? You know, Everyone is subject to cognitive biases. And if you're using this approach of nudging people, particularly actually if you're saying it's for their own good, that's extremely dangerous. Um, there's never been a libertarian genocide, you know. If, if people think they're nudging people for their own good and they're doing the right thing, then I think that's potentially more dangerous than self-interested actors like brands who are nudging because they're doing it for their own, their own good rather than for other people's. So in terms of nudging, I think the main ethical thing is not to assume you know better than other people because that, that leads to a dangerous road and to also assume that you might be being irrational in your use of nudging. Patrick made a lot of interesting points there. One that stood out for me was the study that looked at life satisfaction and ad expenditure. The 2019 study showed that increases in advertising expenditure nationwide are followed by significant declines in life satisfaction. The researchers made sure to take into account confounding factors, including personal and economic characteristics, business cycles and country fixed events, but still saw a clear decline in life satisfaction following an increase in ad spend. The constant bombardment of emotional advertisements really could be harming our mental health. It's too early to say conclusively, of course, but it's worth remembering and, and one to think about. To finish our discussion, I asked Patrick how he deals with social media and targeted ads, and he shared some very useful advice. My advice would be to unplug somewhat. So I, I personally use a dumb phone sometimes just to get away from my smartphone because it's addictive uh, unhealthy and um, I think it opens up unhealthy things like social media which can just get you into this addictive kind of dopamine loop and get you very emotional so try and unplug a little bit I mean obviously obviously technology has amazing wonderful benefits I'm not saying become Amish and live in the woods or anything like that but uh, just try and step back a bit and try and recognize when it might be getting the better of you. I'd also really recommend, and, and I apply that to TV as well, um, I'd also really recommend reading. Actually, research has shown that reading improves your cognitive function. It's really good for you. Information, when you read it, um, it gives your brain room to breathe and to digest the information. It, it's less kind of, there's less scope for being manipulated when you're reading information than through through memes and videos and so on. And obviously look out for your privacy as much as possible. Personally, I have extricated myself from all social media, except for LinkedIn. I wouldn't recommend 
necessarily doing that and again there's value in staying connected to friends and everything but just be very aware that uh this data is being collected and it is being used and also um you are being affected by by what you see and and to think of it you know people are very careful about what they put into their body that people don't eat mcdonald's every day just uh take as much care with what you put into your mind and possibly your soul as well um because the information you're seeing every day all the time it is affecting you so just just be more aware of it a bit more mindful and even mindfulness meditation is i would recommend it there is peer-reviewed research supporting it so all of these kind of things that can kind of help you manage your thoughts and emotions a bit more um, and not become overwhelmed by technology i would recommend Okay, we've we've covered a lot today. We've looked at the effectiveness of targeted advertising, whether or not these ads can swing an election, and how this type of advertising might be detrimental to our mental health. It's fair to suggest that online targeted advertisements have a bad rep. When we think about personalised ads following us as we surf the web, we all get a little bit creeped out. But perhaps there is a positive side to this story. I've heard Patrick in the past claim that these ads might maybe be better for us because we have agency and we have control. For example, we can choose whether or not to give websites our cookies. We can tell YouTube to stop showing us an ad if we don't like it. And we can report advertisers with just a few clicks if we feel their ad is inappropriate. This really is a huge improvement from traditional advertising. If we don't like a typical out-of-home marketing campaign, we can't opt out from hearing it on the radio or seeing it on the billboard on our commute. So despite the negativity around the medium of targeted ads, perhaps there are some good things to come out of these online messages. Anyway, that is all we have time for today. I want to say a huge thank you to Patrick for coming on the show. If you'd like to reach out to him, then you can do so on his website, patrickfagan.co.uk. And if you've liked this episode, then you'll love his book, Hashtag Hooked. I've left a link to both his site and his book in the show notes. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or share it with your friends. Unlike the world's largest companies, I can't afford highly targeted personalized ads. So for this show to grow, I require listeners like you to share the show. And leaving a review or sharing the show with your friends or with your network really, really helps me out. So thank you in advance for those who who are going to plan to do that. And thank you for those who have done that before. And well, thank you again for listening today. Uh, To make sure you don't miss the next episode, please do sign up to the mailing list. The next episode of Nudge is a real cracker and it'll be out in two weeks. So do try not to miss that. Anyway, this has been Nudge, the consumer psychology podcast. Thank you.